0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Shades of Black.
1: I am your co-host, Neralan.
0: And I'm Miriam, and today we're gonna be having a conversation with a guest speaker who's with us today virtually, um, Jade. Welcome to a new podcast, Shades of Black. I am your co-host,
1: Neralan, the founder of Consciously Black, a community platform where I gather black individuals in Canada to discuss their Black experiences and revive
2: Black pride.
0: And I'm Miriam, a registered psychotherapist and founder of Thoughtful Therapist, a mental health platform aimed to empower marginalized communities. And together we have created Shades of Black, a biweekly podcast emerging from both our studies where we shed light on the different experiences encountered within our Black communities and the mental health aspects that exist within those experiences.
1: Join our new community space where we discuss our challenges, our successes, our joy, our pain, and our Blackness. Follow us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other platforms to tune in into our bi-weekly episodes. We cannot wait to converse with
0: you. We wanted to have a conversation today about um, the intersection—well, bring in an intersectional approach to women's reproductive health, seeing what we've been um, encountering with the news over the yeah. last few days um, within the states, having their um, the Roe versus Wade total turnover within this, the Supreme Court. So we wanted to just address a bit of that conversation and what that might look like and the impacts that that might bring within um, women and marginalized women, especially women of color. So uh, we'll just dive into this conversation today. Hi, Jade. (laughs) Hi. Please start introducing yourself. We're good, thank you. Um, So you can start by with your name, sorry, with your name, um, ethnic background, education, professional background, all that stuff.
2: Okay, so hi, my name is Jade. Um, I'm 24, I'm living, loving and learning in Montreal. Um, So a little bit about me, I guess, is uh, by day, Not too interesting of a job, I'm a data analyst. (laughs) I work in um, crime severity stats, it's not really important. But by night, I'm very much so like a very big activist and advocate. Um, I'm a board member of Planned Parenthood Ottawa. I think I'm the youngest board member of Planned Parenthood Ottawa. And I'm also um, a communications and advocacy officer for an NGO called Feminate Caribbean, which is a, a small, um, newly grass-rooted um, NGO uh, plotted in Trinidad and Tobago that helps doing like regional Caribbean work. Around like sexual reproductive health, around uh, menstrual equity, uh, gender justice, and stuff like that. So, um, ethnically, I am Afro Caribbean. I am. My parents are from Jamaica and Trinidad. I am born and raised, kind of, in Canada. So, I am definitely displanted in Canada. I used to live in Toronto. Then I moved around a little bit. I lived in Ottawa. Now I live in Montreal. So I'm definitely like a nomad, like that. I like to travel um educationally um i went to university of ottawa i completed my bachelor of honors in geography and women and gender studies um and after that i got into my job um, with the government and then also plant uh parent ottawa and feminine i've always been very much an advocate i've always been working in the realms of sexual reproductive health gender justice at u ottawa i used to be um the resource or the coordinator for the women's resource center i did that for like two or three years I really enjoyed that job and I always love working in like fields of gender justice and sexual reproductive health it's very fun personally and it's definitely hits home (laughs) um yeah and you can always find me in probably some kind of like protest advocating with somebody going into community events I love that stuff I love community so yeah it's a little bit about me that's great it's good it feels like you have
0: like a fully (laughs) well-rounded life from professionalism to like activism I
2: can't try to keep it balanced. I try to keep it a lot of play and fun and then also have to work because I fit adults apparently, but <laughs> that's the part
0: of life. Okay. Um, so we can start with the first conversation, the first question. So nero, if you wanna go.
1: Um, could you please explain what's the main difference or correlation um, between women reproduction health and women um, repro- reproduct- reproductive rights?
2: Yeah. So. Pretty much, women's reproductive health has everything to do with their health. <laughs> it has to do with their physical health, their mental health, but also like psychosocial health, or like how society interacts with their health. That's a aspect of women's reproductive health. Um, it has everything to do from things like your menstrual cycle, from uh, post-trauma. Sorry, it has everything to do from like your menstrual cycle to postpartum depression to even like what we learn in school about women's bodies and health and decisions we're allowed to make on our own bodies. So all that technically is encompassed in health and women's reproductive health, any kind of like, um, uh, way we interact as a society with a woman's health. The other, um, aspect of it is kind of tethered, like kind of like intercorrelated together, um, is women's reproductive rights. You can't have a woman's reproductive rights without women's reproductive health. Uh, so, it's pretty much like an umbrella term. Um, women's reproductive health is associated with like multiple human rights and also women's rights. So like it has the right, like it, it deals with the rights to be free from torture and free from violence, the right to, to have life, the right to um, privacy, the right to uh, give, be able to have or reproduce all those rights and um, ability to do things with your own body kind of like correlate reproductive um, health and reproductive rights um another thing about reproductive rights is that like it's reproductive rights is all about our rights and our agency over our own body it's like it's all about bodily autonomy i don't know if you know what that means but it's pretty much um our right to govern our own body and make decisions over our own bodies so that's how they kind of overlap so rights is like the the ability and the choices that you get to make over your own body and health is actually the health aspects that are specific to women to girls to two spirited folks and everybody who falls under the umbrella term of like women um i can give you some examples of reproductive rights because sometimes it can get overlapped and we can get kind of confused on what it may be so like an example of reproductive rights is the ability the one thing that we're really hearing about a lot lately is the ability to terminate a pregnancy um or the ability to even become pregnant if you wanted to Um, There's also the right to get birth control without parental consent at the age of 16. That is actually a woman's reproductive right. Um, There's also something that's less heard of is like women in prisons, um, they have the reproductive right now to not be sterilized or go under tubal ligation because previously a lot of women who were in the the carceral system were forced to be sterilized. So now it is a choice and um a move with women's reproductive rights to allow these women not to choose to get sterilized and have the choice over their own body and autonomy okay is that a clear part the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so
0: question so the rights are most so create how are the rights determined created yeah
2: yeah so that's actually a really good question um i like to see it as the rights are kind of like a solution to the issues that have been coming up historically and systemically with women so like We've noticed that um, let's think of something um, like abortion. We've noticed that women are historically always had abortions. Um, however, this has been banned and this was actually like um, criminalized by our systems and we recognize that women shouldn't well, we used to recognize that women should not be told that they one shouldn't be able to um terminate a pregnancy shouldn't shouldn't be forced to endure a pregnancy that they don't choose to have, and also just like um having choices over your own body and what happens with it and what's going on with it so um yeah, so out of that out of the ideology ideology um the ideology that women have autonomy, they can choose what they want to do, they don't always have to be mothers, they don't always have to reproduce um especially that only came about when like women and um, gender diverse people start coming into like political spaces, obviously. But when we recognize that we're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't force them. Maybe we should give them a right to protect them that, so that they're not forced upon to do these things. So they're not forced upon um, forced by their partners to have children when they don't want to, or they're not like told um, that they can't, they have to have a incestuous baby or have a baby that they chose not to have happen or have, You know, like, that's when the rights come about. It's really not proactive, let's just say that. But as a lot of laws are, they're not proactive. So, um, yeah. So a lot of the times it's, like, cause and effect.
0: Okay. Okay. That's good. So I guess that kind of touches into the second question that we had. But Mm -hmm. before we go into that, I just had a question. So you said, you mentioned how historically abortions have been present in society. So... I feel like maybe some people might not know what abortions may have looked like back in the days. So can you touch a bit more on that, on like the, histo- the history of abortion and what that Yeah, could... of course.
2: Um, I'm definitely not. Um an abortion advocate specialist. Yeah. So I'm not going to give you the whole history dates and everything. And also I'm bad at history. So <laughs> but, um, definitely um, abortions have been around since before we can even record it, or we even had like an idea, an idea of what abortion was. Um, sometimes they were practiced um, medicinally through like holistic medicines, like um, food, vegetables, uh, not vegetables, sorry, herbs, things like that. Medicinal medicine and more of um, traditional cultures. Um, Abortions were also I think a little bit later we're able to have like be able to utilize tools. So I know that um ancient Egyptians had kind of like something that looks like um I'm trying to think that people understand. You know, like tongs. <laughs> you know, like tongs and how now medically we have something that looks like tongs. Something very similar to be able to scoop out the child and scoop out an abortion. And also remember I also like to like make people remember that even though like the process of abortions and the way in which we utilize abortions now are a little different from the way they used to do it, it always used to happen. So sometimes you'd have to have an abortion, maybe for different reasons. Um, maybe because your body wasn't fully able to carry this child for medical reasons. Maybe the child had been stillbirth. Maybe it just wouldn't just couldn't happen. It just wasn't um a favorable situation. There were always methods in place to um. Get rid of a fetus or um to have an abortion because like women's health and women's reproductive health is nothing new. Like it didn't get invented in the last decade. It's been around forever. We've just been doing different things and different um methods. And then also we don't really hear about the ways in which abortion happens. Um mainly because of our society ways structured the conversations we're allowed to have, what is seen as appropriate, and also just like abortions is very like a touchy topic. But um abortions do happen all the time i think i'm um, don't hold me to the stat and i will give you an actual stat i think it's there's about five million unsafe abortions that happen every year that means no matter if the law says you can have abortion or not in the places where it's legal or not there are going to be abortions and they're over five million a year five million abortions a year is it's a unsafe abortions a, year it's a is lot maddening <laughs> so it's very common it's, and um I think there is a lot of like historical relevance, especially with um communities, of colors, and community of color and marginalized communities. Um, definitely have a large, very large history of these things. However, as you know, colonialism, uh, capitalism has kind of like covered these things and made it really hard for us to kind of access this kind of knowledge. But it's definitely something that's not new. Okay.
1: That's very interesting. Yeah. I, I yeah. What's your comment? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, my okay. comment. Um, I think that. Um, it's very interesting how, uh, like you know, how you mentioned that um, abortion has always been there from times. Um, especially that a lot of people probably will think that abortion is something fairly new, just because that religion has always control, um, uh, yeah, control women' um, autonomy. Repor- autonomy and reproductive. Health and rights, um, just because like they think that they most of them say that women are meant to reproduce and have babies. So, yeah. So I kind of like this um your comment on that because I feel like people would have think that the woman role um is to have babies and they just think that this is new. Um, but also con- another comment and it's also kind of a question, but it's more like. What are some, in your opinion, what are some issues uh, that comes having men in high political um, places um, that are there to uh, control um, women reproductive health?
2: That's a great question, actually. one to answer the first part yeah like it's a bit like abortions historically have been here forever like if you were to look at the history obviously the history does have a cutoff point we don't know everything but like the history is there's like a plethora of things to learn and it's just not it's not only like western cultures it's so many cultures that practice abortions and still to this day practice abortions in different methods and different ways and just like um yeah reproductive health it's just normal thing i don't i think we're now putting a label to it and saying this is what an abortion is but i think it's been practiced forever um also to answer your second question um i think there could be a few issues having men in decision making spaces um but i would like to preface it by saying i don't think the problem is men being in these spaces at all i think that the problem is representation i think that there's not enough representation for the societies that we live in um i think that if we constantly have a small group of people representing the larger group of people that are very diverse, that have so much um, different um, differences, so have so much different um, experiences and lifestyles, we will never actually be able to be um, an equitable society or a fair society. So like, and I'll give you the example of um Toronto. Toronto is 51% of a, a new immigrant population. However, in Toronto, only... You you cannot be a new immigrant or like even an immigrant at all and be a political player or political um leader in that city. So imagine fifty. They're all obligated to pay taxes. 50, that fifty one percent is has to pay taxes, has to do everything they have to do has to be to be entitled as a Canadian citizen. However these people are not making decisions and most of the um the political parties in in Toronto are led by white cis folk so like if you have a whole half of your population is immigrants and people of color and there's no immigrants or people of color representing we're going to have a problem there and the same thing goes for women's rights if we have like a whole slew of people representing and making decisions for women's rights but not none of these people like rarely any of these people are women Rarely these people are gender diverse. Rarely these people are parents. Rarely these people even know anybody in their life who's had an abortion, are not of different religious backgrounds, or like there's just so lack of diversity. Um, you're gonna get like a dis- like a decision or rights that don't apply rightly to the society that's representing. And I see that we always see this problem, we've been seeing this problem forever as and it's even more of a problem right now in the US because we're seeing roe v wade overturned in a society that like roe v wade was finally prospering and was finally getting the rights if women were finally getting autonomy over their body and having like we were just setting our foot you know like in the ability to just like make decisions for ourselves and then after like snatching your feet you know so having and like abortions are so common like one thing the reason that abortions the Roe v. Wade overturn affects so much Canadians is because a large portion of Canadian women go to the U.S. to get abortions a very very large portion especially those across the borders because it's so hard to get an abortion in Canada it's such a long and lengthy process it can take anywhere from 30 days a month to four months so like you know like and you're pregnant you only have nine months so it's such a lengthy lengthy and um strenuous process that some just travel the border because it was so much easier and they have the access to that but now that, that overturned think about the chaos think about the backlog canada has think about how this is gonna affect us so i i went off a little tangent there but like i feel like having people making decisions for a society that it doesn't rightly represent is like the biggest problem i i don't mind men being there because at at the end of the day men do have a point to play in reproductive health and rights they're not like away from it but they are directly involved too um even if you don't are not married to a woman or you don't know a woman or whatever the case may be, you are directly involved so i feel like the problem is we don't have enough women we don't have enough uh women of color we don't have enough um women who are disabled we don't have enough trans folk we don't have enough folk who are from indigenous representation we just are representing a very small fraction and a very small fraction who doesn't have children often (laughs) or who doesn't have to go through the process of giving birth to a child or taking care of that child long term or the psychosociological effects of having a child you know like we can talk about abortion or like um, reproductive health from a very like. like men or men should not get involved but it's also like it's so interdisciplinary it's so much layers to it. it's like an onion like you keep peeling there's still so many things to get into so i feel like um yeah number one problem is not that there's men in these places but there's people who do not know how to represent the population and like i know i'm talking a little bit but a, a, a nice example I like, to give people for like understanding that is like it's something called social, social location, and it's, like, shows you where you fall in life, so it says, um, I'll give an example, I am a black, lower middle class, queer woman, um, but I have an education, I can speak English, that's my, let's say where I am, that's how I stand, and I can compare myself to, uh, a richer, um, ho- high mid-class white cis men who is not queer who d- didn't have like who's fully educated and may not have had any interaction with like a marginalized community such as myself or any like marginalized communities um he goes into political power he does not know how to make decisions for myself or people who look like me or who act like me because he's never interacted with these people or he's never lived the experiences with these people so what he thinks is a problem may may rightly be a problem, but he doesn't see the actual other problems that are happening. Like, you know, you can't, if you're up here, you can't really see what's going on with the people at the bottom, but the people at the bottom can see the whole picture, because they're the ones who are suffering the most, you know? That's why they say, like, if you help the least, um, the least, then you're helping everybody. I don't know how the quote
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, my that kind of, okay, that goes kind of ties into another question. So, what are some of the effects of Okay so you discussed a bit how it affects Canadian women who tend to cross the border to have access to these services. Um so when we talk about marginalized communities and mostly like in this context when we're talking about black women what are some of the effects of having some of these rights taken away from them? Um and yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. I think there's like Yeah, I think there's so many effects that we don't see and i don't have all the answers to that but there are so many layers that this affects so like the first place i can see this is like these groups these marginalized groups specifically black women are already so underrepresented so understudied so under-researched and like there are already so many systemic problems that are happening within these communities. Um, for example, like, uh, Black women have the highest rates of chronic illnesses and, like, the highest rates of breast cancer in the world. Like, that is a, a fact, and especially in Canada. And But, however, we're the most under-researched group in medicine, you know? So there's going to be a lot of little sticky things that are going to happen under the table. So, like, the fact that a lot of Black women are not going to... Black women in Canada are not going to be able to access... Um, sorry, a lot of black women in America are not going to be able to access um, proper abortions or um, safe abortions. Now that's going to affect them because if they don't have proper access to um, contraceptives or safer sex supplies, that means if they're not choosing abstinence, they will be most likely reproducing. And then when they reproduce, that is not just going to, another child, but, or a child, that is also an economic effect, that is also a social effect, can like, it's also a psychological effect. And I think that, um i think a lot of times uh black women and girls do go through a lot of uh how do i say this (laughs) give me a second when we read
1: problem (laughs) trauma
2: no i don't want to say trauma but like it's like bitter like like we're already not equally protected as everybody else and i feel like it's just gonna like unlayer another layer of unprotectedness, if that's a word. Um, like I feel like it's just making it a little more unsafe. So just the ability to not access proper care. Like imagine if you get pregnant and you don't want to have a child. Like think about it. Like today, either one of us just get pregnant. I'm not capable to have a child right now. I don't have the economic funds. I don't have the social support. I don't have the knowledge. That just, that message, that's your whole life changes in a, like in the blink of an eye. Not only that is like family dynamics and I, it's it's not as always great to say, but black women do have a very un uncomfortable and like horrible-ish like relationship when it comes to like um, absent fathers and absent parental figures in their lives. So like that just re- replenishes itself. And then also, if you think about it, it can also force people into the foster care system who are not, whose parents cannot um, provide for them. So when more kids are in the foster care system, more kids are put pushed into poverty. More kids are pushed into lifestyles that they cannot, like, they'll have to deal with because uh, they don't have the proper support, not only emotional, but financial. And it's like, it's like a domino effect. And it just keeps happening. Like, as, as a, it's very commonly known in the U.S., there's a lot of issues with incarceration, incarceration of Black men. This is just like that. This is just, like, a different way to, like, um, impact the community in a negative way by rules. Like, the first, it was it was drug rules and drug laws. And now it's abortion bans and body bans. And then it's what's next, you know? So I think it definitely does heavily impact um, Black women. And I can talk about this all day because there's just so many layers to it. Like, if you just think about... Um, the inability to have an abortion or a safe abortion one you're access you're allowing people to now access a dangerous like um backdoor abortions i don't know if you guys know what those are like yeah. um abortions that are not supposed to be happening without medical care so you'll have people going through that and a lot of people die he, uh, a sad amount of people die from those kind of unsafe abortions yearly and they're very common like i don't know if you ever heard of the, like the a yeah hanger. i was gonna say like, yeah every- that joke even though it's like funny to a lot of the black community it's just like ha 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 it's not funny because that's what a lot of people had to do and still now are going to have to do and have to put themselves through that you know and it's like so much trauma from that not only but on your body but on your mental state because abortions are not easy so having to force you having to do that and like force your body through that and then in america like um no not even just in america in, in canada and america women black women have such hard times in like the labor market and actually being able to obtain a steady full job full-time jobs so imagine having that issue and then bring your child onto that table or bringing the inability to control your own um reproductive health you know it's just like a, a bunch of like little bit of um little jabs or little pins and needles and see somebody's back uh what else there was something else I was going to say, but I
1: think I, I so kind of forgot it. I do have a question. So if, because uh, um, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but if I'm just being like the devil advocate for a bit, if, because I, I do understand abortion has always been present, like from generation. um, But if let's say abortion was not, um something that so present in our society should we not should the answer not be not me saying that abortion is not a good thing but should the answer not be um, teach teaching more of a healthy um, sexual life because having the okay. option of, I remember when like conversation about like having sex, but having unprotected sex is almost underrated. Like nobody actually really wanna have the conversation. And right. even when they meet a person, they meet the partner, it's almost a, a conversation that actually tend to never happen. Mm-hmm. So as much as removing this is a domino effect, it's almost like, could it not be, quotation a good thing in quotation again um and that forced men also to step up in the baby life so kind of making recruit like trying to create like more of a pra- like father more present because for a father not present at home do affect like all those different things drop out of school etc etc so i don't know I, I i'm just kind of thinking that maybe other people that are pro um that are pro-life or are seeing this as listen like or the fact that abortion and nobody everybody have that right and everybody always thinking this as the first
0: option mm-hmm. is kind of like there should be something else yeah, instead of having and, and, to, rel- to yeah to
1: because become. abortion is a lot on on, mm-hmm. on a woman's body mm-hmm. as much that mm-hmm. It is helpful. It's a good tool to have. Um, not tool, but it's a it's a good it's a tool, to, tool to send resources. Yeah. yeah, but I I do feel like many people say that having an abortion actually it's hard. I think a lot of person like recovering from abortion is something we actually don't talk about, like yeah. how hard it is to recover from abortion. Anyways, yeah. it's just me yeah. th- thinking about like. After, especially after all this conversation we've been hearing the news, but sometimes I'm just like, okay, Lynn, what now? How do we move forward with knowing this is now the result until that day turn it again? Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we approach a conversation with women, girls, boys, men out there that, hey, you better start using condoms because if no, here's the consequences. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not the easy yeah. conversation, um, to have, right? conversation to have.
2: Oh, um, I love that question. Honestly, it's not a devil's advocate question. It's a very important question. Um, so yes, I agree. I think I don't, I wouldn't say it's a good thing that abortion's gone, but I would say that it is an it is a gateway for a new conversation to be had. Um, so recently I, with my organization, Feminine Caribbean, we just had wrote a, um, a toolkit guide called Reimagining Sexual and Reproductive Health and Rights. And we did this for, um, a village, a rural community in Trinidad, Tobago, for them to understand their sexual reproductive health and rights, what it is, how to have, how to have sex, how to have sex, all the things about abortions, everything, you know, all that. And I love that you brought up that conversation because like, yes, abortion is an option, but I think education is key education is the like the pinnacle point of everything and i and i will never ever personally put the responsibility on the community or people to learn this but i think that our society those governments all those people those politicians should they have the power to write these curriculums in which kids are learning i don't know about you but i remember growing up in um elementary school that religious book they gave us for sex class like sex ed class i don't know if you guys have the same thing it's like a religion book like it's it's garbage like
1: they we don't have, have a much- religious book. We went to the same high school, um, but elementary no but in school, elementary school, not
2: high school in elementary,
1: school, elementary school, school, we honestly we didn't talk oh, I went to a we I went to a Catholic school. so I, this thing about like giving talking about sex was basically taboo.
0: We had talked about <laughs> sex a bit, but it wasn't it was more so like what parts are what I think I don't know. It's very vague. I can't yeah, remember, yeah, yeah well, um actually. okay, <laughs> yeah anatomy You're like, okay, these are
2: breasts, these are these are uterus, this is the ovary, this is that. But like that's okay. We can we can Google that. That's easy information to find. But the conversations about okay, honestly, do you know that like most people start having sex at the age of thirteen yeah. or yeah. fifteen? Like that mm-hmm. gap. Yeah. Every, when we're going to school and they're teaching us, they're not teaching 13, 14, and 15-year-olds how to have safer sex, where to get a con, like, how to use a condom, how to take it off, how to dispose of the condom, what do you do it breaks, what do you do if you don't want to use a condom, when you're allergic to latex, what kind of, like, birth control can you take, who do you, how do you even go to a doctor to get birth control, who even have, like, where do you get free birth control, like, can you go to the OBGYN without your parents, like, all these questions are never discussed in school. These things that you should be being taught in school, because this is what affects if you're having an abortion or not this is, like if you if you know how to have safer sex you will have safer sex and i think there was a recent study done i think that like 48 percent of students who were taught to use um use condoms and safe and have safer sex versus those who are not were more likely to have like safer sex and wait to have sex like these people were taking longer because they understood and most of the time sex comes from curiosity and people are just having sex so they don't know they're just like oh, i want to do it because i thought i heard about it mm-hmm. so i'm gonna do it but if we teach people from the beginning one it's gonna like slow down the rates at which people or young folks are having sex and unsafe sex but also we're promoting safer sex so kids and adults because there's a lot of adults out here who do not 100 <laughs> so if we teach them young how to have safe sex they will take those traits all the way to adulthood and this is why we'll have lower rates of abortion and additionally with the education aspect as much as we want to rant and rave about, like, oh, people need to be safe, we don't talk about how, to, like, where do I get a birth control pill from? Like, if you didn't know, if your family had never been on birth control in their lives, and you, like, you know, like, you wouldn't know where to go to, how to go to the doctor and ask for um your pill, or ask to get an IUD, or ask to, what, a vasectomy or a hysterectomy, you know, all these questions, you wouldn't know because you were never taught about them. So, a lot of the people who are never taught about this, just like, I don't know. Go f- go free willy nilly into life, which is okay because we all do at some point. But mistakes are gonna be made a lot of the times, and if there's no like no like urgency to like help people or reprimand this, then we'll always have this problem. Like Canada isn't like saying, okay, we're gonna give everybody free birth control ki- uh, pills, or we're gonna educate um young young men on how to have safer sex and give out free content in schools, and they're not like. Urging for these things, you know what our society is not aching and um to present this information to us, but they gave us like you know the food chart like, yeah, in elementary school about how the, the, girl, girl, girl. Girl, the girl, colors, girl yeah, you know, We got a million of those, but we never got any education on how to have safer sex when you start to have sex because, like, this is the question, and that's the reason people are having to go into situations where they're getting abortion, and also we don't make it a, a, a culture. Like and especially with black people and like making a culture where it is okay to have safe sex. Like I I I understand it's fun. Like sex is fun, but like having, like I I've noticed within my own like community, people enjoy having like non unsafe sex because it's like kind of like a culture thing. Like it's kind of mm. culturally normalized, but it's yeah. Not true. yeah. Um, well, there's a lot At of issues that come with to it. To and, sex. Yeah,
1: it oh, is. My- it, I think this is a big issue, but. Also school and the lack of education on sex ed, but I think also the conversation about sex and the curiosity of young young kids, it's kind of create a bit of shame, if I can put that word, Um, Mm because parents also have a big role into this, into having the conversation with the kids and I think what's happening especially like because me my household I'm Haitian immigrant my mom doesn't until now I'm like 26 and my mom will not have any conversation about like sex or even kiss like or this idea of like me having now I have a boyfriend and my mom knows I have a boyfriend but for her it was kind of like (laughs) and she, she was very uncomfortable with that and My thing is, plus I was going to church and church was telling how this is a sin, it's taboo, it's all this. So it never create like a safe space for any kid to go to their parents, to the father, to a mother and say, hey, can I just learn what is it exactly? I think that even when kid ask the parents about like, oh, how do I have a siblings? They have to lie (laughs) to the children instead of like having honest conversation because kids are very smart. They Mm -hmm. learn. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of curiosity cause abortion too, because eventually if they're not practicing safe sex, Mm -hmm. the parents end up finding out. And the parents has a thing to either hush the situation mm-hmm. down, either they will rush to the clinic and have an abortion at a very young age, or you know sometimes they figure it out. Sometimes it's like the cousin, the mom, or a grandmother that raised the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's um, the culture around se- like safe sex. Safe sex is it's it's weird. It's, yeah. weird. it's shaky. Like yeah.
2: No. And I definitely see as, like, a, a Afro-Caribbean woman. And because I don't know, like, in the Caribbean, like, colonization hit hard. Like, <laughs> like ca- like the idea of Catholicism Christianity, like, hit us so hard. And it's still to this day, like, even though they know, like, this, this, it's bad, they'll still, like, to the very end. And I understand, like, it is your religion, it is your faith. And I'm not going to knock that. But, like so much so that like we don't even talk to our own kids about sex and, but then after like how do you expect your kids not to come home with a child or like get pregnant if you're never having I have
0: a comment question i don't know the thought is just coming to me so however it shows up yeah. let it show up okay so <laughs> um okay so we talked about how in caribbean culture it's very hushed hushed but a lot of the times caribbean cult the families have the biggest number of like siblings and like just the other day i was at a barbecue and then um my my family fr- friend was telling us how his dad had like 50 kids and i was like 50 kids like what like 50 like fi- yeah and then like and like they're older too right so i'm trying to figure Damn. out like what what's the age gap between the oldest and the youngest and so my question or thought is like how much importance do we need to also put in on having safer sex education for men and and for young boys because i feel like a lot of the pressure comes also for on girls and on women yeah but at the end of the day like we just receive whatever is given <laughs> you know what i mean that's it so i just i just i feel like but it just needs to be talked about I also
1: know. i just want to add to just a comment yeah. i feel that the r- richer they are the higher they are in the their social like the so- so- social rank. Mm-hmm the more smarter they are into the number of kids they have. like, And they don't be out here having a lot of kids left and right. I mean, we can see Hollywood a lot of time, but but if we think about like Kirby and like mm-hmm. in Haiti example, like when I think about the people that have a bit way more funds and have more money, mm-hmm. they only have like two or three kids. If they're kids outside, we may never know. But a lot of time they're not, looking to have more kids because they do understand Mm -hmm. the cause that come with kids so
0: then there needs to be better education around the 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 correlation between sex and economics within the yeah the the, the economy yeah within the community like you both just hit the nail
2: (laughs) (laughs) no no you're touching on class you're touching on like gender so like One, definitely, um, the more well-off you are, the less likely you are to have more kids. That is a natural thing. The more, like, as we've seen, um, the more women go to university, the less kids are, um, are being born. There's a correlation between that because kids are expensive. And also, wealthier people have, um, uh, more access to, like, birth control. They have access to safer, safer sex supplies. They have access to safer sex education to know that you don't have to have that much kids. (laughs) Um... But rather than people who unfortunately don't have that access, who do not have that education, were gifted or privileged with it, um, they, yeah. they just have sex. <laughs> like it's not their fault. Like I, I like you know, if you don't know or you're not given like access to condoms, you're not gonna use condoms. Or if they like culturally it's like hilarious that men always are are raw, like it's you're always gonna go raw, or like, you know, those just those things. So Definitely, um, lower lower income folks do have more kids. This is very common, especially in more rural places in the Caribbean. It, I, you definitely see that. Like, personally, I did. My my great grandmother had 15, okay, yeah. I was gonna 50 be like- 50. <laughs> so, like,
0: it's, it's still a lot, yeah. A lot that's yeah.
2: one person, one woman, like, and mm-hmm. that's not her partner. Mm-hmm. Her partner had more kids, so you know, like, and like, it's that's always a thing. Like, you know, if people have like, um, I don't know what they guys call them, but like, back home, we called them like Sagman, or like, you have a side, like. he has a side wife or side family or whatever so you know like it's a big thing it's a very common thing but also um as you touch on that like yes people um can be more educated but also men have to have the accountability of having safer sex on their part too may that be well there's honestly one real male birth control which well two condoms and sex (laughs) movies they're not really like like have pills and IDs like women are are given. But um I definitely think that one more research needs to be done on male birth control because that would stop a lot of babies. Um <laughs> but also, yeah, I think men have to have accountability too into like their the reproductive health because not only does like you're reproducing children, but are you taking responsibility for those children that you're having you're having. Like just because you're not giving birth to these kids, are you you know are you tied down to this child do you get to find like put economic sacrifices and economic or not only economic but emotional support and all these things into the child and or can you just get up and go whenever you want and just like maybe pay some child support once in a while you know so i think like definitely that conversation of safe sex we have we've had it we always have with women and always have with girls but we never have enough with boys and teaching boys about sex because boys have often have sex younger than girls do um I think very, very much younger and um yeah it's, it's not as hard if <laughs> i mean being completely honest but I don't think it's that hard to have that conversation with boys I think that um yeah and I don't think men would want men technically want to have like 15 kids by accident like you know it's not like I always a choice I hope not a choice if but like if you choose to have 15 kids um a lot of them are, are accidental or unintentional and like mm-hmm. that's not good for the man as well. Like now you're a father into like a bunch of kids, like oh, I yeah. think Canada, <laughs> hilarious. People always laugh at it. No, but like for real, like think about it. As a stress as, stress as a person, you have like nine kids. Nine kids in this society, even if you're rich, Nick, and it's not that like nine kids is a lot. And like you have to care for every one of these kids. You have to put emotional and financial support into these kids. Like that's a lot. Like as much as we talk about the woman, like bro, that's a burden you're carrying on yourself, so like we should talk about their uh reproductive health and rights because they should mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I feel like we I feel like we live in a society that like we never put the blame on men, especially like around abortion there's sometimes a lot of rape um that do happen and um andest things that happen to you, which. <sighs> And sometimes you look at the girl most of the time they look at the girl and they say, "Okay, you could have closed your legs, they blame us for the clothing they anyways, but and they just refuse to see either the man that was in power that either rape um a kid you know in if it's an in incest in a household or either it's like a young boy outside that just couldn't control the urge. Um, or that was angry that they got rejected because there's many mm-hmm. story like that mm-hmm. so i think that it's it they remove the rights um, of women choosing to um either keep the baby or like abort um, or choose choose abortion is unfair not that uh, not that it's unfair, but it's unfair because some woman doesn't actually choose to be in that situation, mm-hmm. and and I don't think that any any person that never didn't want to be in that situation should be in any situation. So yeah, yeah no, I'm like so yeah, I like men's I never say, like, I def- yeah. That was kind of just a comment to me.
2: <laughs> but I definitely agree that like um there are it's outside of the irregular abortion talk about just being able to have children if you want to have children or not but like just like there's sometimes situations that just happen like we can't stop life from happening and like unfortunately it just happens so like sometimes it could be your first time ever having sex just like everybody else who just first time having sex and you got pregnant you could have used the condom and you just got pregnant like it's not your fault <laughs> and like i feel like even though um There are special circumstances, and there's a lot of special circumstances. I don't even call, I should call them specialist point because incest, rape, and all these things happen way more than we like to act like it does. Um, yeah, like like those situations definitely. I feel like those people should not be forced, like literally forced to like yeah. carry yeah. violence with them, to be forced to be put in a situation that they don't want to be in. You know, but but also like even if you don't want to have a baby, I feel like it's it's um, it's so wrong to force somebody to have to have it. Like, even if, and, like, it's, and I work it like, vice versa. It's, like, telling somebody who wants a baby that you're not allowed to have a baby. You're never, ever going to have a baby. Like, imagine if that was just that. Like, that's horrid both ways. And, like, we shouldn't kind of, um, we shouldn't have to enact on anybody. Nobody should have to be forced to do anything. Like, as, I'm, I'm personally pro-choice and I don't mind whatever anybody else is. But I personally think that, like, you should have the choice to have a child, not have a child, terminate the pregnancy if you need to, terminate the pregnancy if you don't need to, but want to, or whatever the case may be. Like, the forcing part, the part where we're like, you cannot
0: choose. Is I have a question, I have and this. I might be playing devil's advocate again here. <laughs> so for those, because, okay, so you mentioned being pro-choice, and for those who might be more on the pro-life side, right, and they'll, they'll say things like, um, you know, there's adoption, right? So there are other ways that you can still support the child, I guess, moving forward. But how do you still address that as if you're somebody who's pro-choice and who would want to still not want to have to carry out that baby full term? Yeah. I don't know if that's a question Um, or I don't know.
2: (laughs) I personally, I personally, uh, when people mention the idea of adoption – like, I asked them if they ever adopted yet, because if you've ever even signed up for adoption, you know what the situation is like. It is not an easy process, first of all. Um, one, the foster care system across the world is, like, condensed with kids. Like, there's too much kids in the foster care system. So one, people are utilizing that system. It's not like we're not using it. There are kids in that system. Second of all, people always try to adopt. But you cannot adopt willy-nilly you can't just be a person say i want a kid i want them in my house and we're gonna have kids like you have to go some people are on adoption care list for 10 years 10 years (laughs) imagine you're like okay um like i don't know it just doesn't sound correctly to me like i feel like you can yes you can adopt you can put that child up for adoption but one okay two things one you can put that child up for adoption yes go ahead but that person still is being forced to carry that child full term if they don't choose to That's not okay. And I feel like that's where the problem is. It's okay that you have our own beliefs and everything, but we shouldn't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. But second of all, the uh, adoption system is already, like, overly saturated and is condensed to the point that, like, we are having problems within it right now, presently, before the abortion ban. So now that you're, like, our our government doesn't have the capacity to take care of all these kids in the system or even process all these kids in the system – like we can't i feel like it's like um how do i say this we're making rules as if we're a utopia you know we're making rules as if we live in the perfect paradise but we don't like the foster care system is not good for kids like it is not good kids are abused there constantly kids are 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 gone missing from from the child care system kids Get go through incest in the childcare system. Kids get killed in the system. Like kids get trafficked in the system. So it's not like a beautiful place. It's not these kids are going to like a hotel hotel in L. A. And they're gonna live their life in luxury. They're not. They're going to like ho- like homeless shelters essentially for children. You know, and I feel like as as much as I uh, like I understand your the pro life stance, I really do understand it. But I feel like um as much as people don't want to be forced to to not have a baby or get rid of their children as people should also give people respect if they choose to. Because there are a lot of situations happen. Like a uh, like I, I know, I don't know. I had this discussion recently and I feel like it's so easy to just say like these options, just like, yeah, just do this. But like it's not just do this. It's not just like have the baby full term and go to give that baby up for adoption. It's i carried a child full term i dealt with the social consequences of being pregnant that whole time i had to take all my checkups i had to do this i had to give birth to the child very complicated very very painful very intimate experiences and then not on top of giving birth i have to give it away immediately that's that's very complicated it sounds so easy it sounds like a checkbox in our, our head but as humans i think we have to take a minute and breathe and like think about like the emotional aspect that ties to this person imagine being forced to carry a child full term and you don't want to there's a kid and i think it's either it's in Miss, mississippi or in texas and it's happening right now she's 10 years old and she's forced to keep her child from her incest like she got pregnant by her dad 10 years old no matter wh- what you believe i don't think there's a point where you should look at that 10 year old child and tell her to carry that child out and just give it up for adoption Imagine yourself at 10 years old. And, like, that's, that's beyond traumatic. And I know I'm using an extreme situation, but just imagine the situation anything. Imagine somebody putting, like, you becoming pregnant by accident, on purpose, whatever the case may be, and you are forced to keep that baby, even if you don't want it. No matter what's happening in your life at that point. You could be homeless. A lot of times people are homeless. People... Don't can't even have enough money to feed themselves. We're in a recession. We're in like a triple recession right now after a pandemic, and you cannot force people to have. We have a breast milk shortage. I mean, not a breast milk shortage, a, a baby formula shortage across like the America. You're forcing people to have kids, and not all people can produce b- milk and lactate. Not all people could feed their children, so you're essentially telling people if they can't afford to make uh, buy baby mm-hmm. formula, and you can't mm-hmm. lactate that baby gotta starve yeah what so i feel like that touches
0: on the idea of like when people say you give birth because you're saving a life but then when the life is in the real world they're like not protected whatsoever and the system isn't actually there to support them and to help them in whichever way that they need to be helped so i i i don't know that that just hit that just hit home yeah
2: yeah i like, I think I always like to think the things, like, in my own shoes. Like, how would I feel if I was living in, those, in their shoes or whatever? Um, yeah, and I just, I can't, I can't fathom the idea of, like, somebody forcing another person to to have a child in, like, circumstances they just don't want, they're not consenting to this. They're not consenting their body to be, a part of this process being forced to do it and if you if you don't do it like in the states right now you can go to jail you can face some you can face a death penalty <laughs> like you like you're you're going to jail for something that you like and also and one of the problematic parts of the states just a little tangent is like you can go to jail for having abortion or you can um yeah you can face life in jail for having abortion but they can't tell the difference between abortion and a miscarriage so, if you go to the hospital and you have a miscarriage and they think you had an abortion, you can go to jail for that. Even if you, naturally, your body just had a miscarriage, you can, and there are people, there are, I think, I've read, like, two cases this week alone about women going to jail in the U.S. for this, and it's been happening, it's continued happening. Like this.
1: Yeah, there was, um there was a story, Um, it's, like, an Instagram post I've been going around, you guys probably, like, seen it, but the late the girl um she she's she was pregnant and the baby died inside of uh, her belly and um she i think she already had an appointment either before to to go through with it and then eventually when the news um happened they told her that can happen so they
0: basically forcing her to give birth to a uh, stillborn so to, c- that's that's
1: basically dead inside of her
0: so what are the effects of that cuz Obviously, if there's no life in your uterus, there's toxins that might be.
2: There's so many effects of that. Well, um, well, it depends on like the stillbirth. I think if nothing had popped, like the amniotic sac pop, if everything's fine inside, you can not carry that baby out. However, essentially, you are carrying a corpse. So if that maybe if there's too long of a period, there I think there's potential for the baby to rot. I think there's potential for a bacteria to get involved. I think infections, everything, and then also, like we we downplay what birth is really like, y'all. We really need downplaying downplay what birth is like. Like, birth is an intense, intense, intense process. It can, like, literally kill you. So the amount- And it's also just very emotional and traumatic. Like, you're having something coming out of you, like a child that you grew inside of you. So imagine the trauma to have to- Like, you're five months and having to sit till nine months with a dead baby inside of you. Doesn't move. Doesn't do anything. You know it's dead. That's- that The psychological effects of that alone- I don't even. I can't even think about. But there are many other like um, physical and uh, health mm-hmm. effects. That so happen, there's
1: yeah. two things that comes in my mind. Okay, uh, this conversation gonna go on. I don't long even know how long this conversation <laughs> been going. But I feel like one is just a comment, or I'm just thinking about it, and the other one is actual question. So the first comment, which I feel like the comment can basically turn into the a question. whole com- conversation. But what I kind of find surprising with a lot of jobs is that most likely in the states i mean depending what kind of jobs you have they don't give women or men enough of like Mm -hmm. um how do you call that a maternal leave leave. but it's it's kind of crazy that after there's this high company now that will pay all the costs if you work for them they will pay all the costs which probably gonna cost more than actual give that person a leave so it's so i know that it's i almost feel that like even work in a labor type of setting they value more women without kids um or women that are not pregnant just how they kind of like not willing to give enough time for parent to leave, but they're about to spend x y x, z for the person to fly out wherever in order to get a safe abortion. I, I, it's not really a question. It's just like, it's just crazy how we, the society we are that the labor, even women for a woman that choose to keep a baby, this is like not really abortion, but like for a woman that choose to keep their baby, they almost have, less support. Based on this this yeah. this conversation that we're having. Um I think
2: I think childcare, like um when you do have a child you are less supported in work. I, I could definitely see that because like stereotypes and all those things about like women and mothers in and the workplace and all that. But um yeah and also capitalism's not gonna thrive off of somebody who is not being able to be there at their beck and call, you know, and who has to like tend to another person or you know so i i definitely I, I i don't know a business that does that but that's wild that the business is doing that and i feel like it shows their priorities which is very sad because i feel like a person who has a child and a person who doesn't have a child should have the equal amount of like rights and 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 like pay and everything like i don't understand why there's a difference but also it's really sad like imagine you like i know when you go on paternal leave or parental leave like you only get like 60 percent of your actual salary or something like that so like just
0: that alone like, so it's, like how am i supposed to take care, this, care of this child this yeah. yeah
1: yeah but some it depends it depends of where the person work because some of them is only give three months couple weeks it's all depends especially in america i mean i feel like um in canada yeah. if you work in like public service if you're a public servant you have like um it's
2: it's like a year off or something like that. Like, it's, it can get a lot more. Yeah. You can get a little bit more if you want. But in the U.S., sometimes it, it's usually about three months. Exactly.
1: Like and so I know that was one of the conversations that a lot of people, like, even, like, either you're pro-life or pro-choice, it's it's a conversation, like, mm-hmm. it's kind of curious because there's a list. Like, Apple does that, um, Amazon, Tesla, all those big tech companies, they actually, they, they publish it, like, hey, like, I'll definitely help you fly out and all this. But the co- co- question is, women are currently pregnant right now are forced to return to work and leave their their, their br- newborn at home.
2: And essentially, you know, what's also that question is there's no national health ca- um, child care. Not like not only just in Canada, in the US. So you're telling these people after you have your three-month-old baby, you're supposed to find somewhere for your child to go for daycare all day or pre- whatever it is pay thousands of dollars in ontario i think the average is like if it's it's somewhere between 12 to 1700 a month per kid in daycare okay in ontario that's a rent (laughs) for one child in the u.s it's worse okay in the u.s it's like about that or worse so like i'm saying you're telling me come back to work after three months after just having a child leave the newborn in a random place with some strangers and i pay pretty much my half of my salary or more yeah. in child care
1: just because you want me here. Yeah. Like
2: that's It makes no sense.
1: It makes no sense. Yeah. So I think that's that's also adds up to many other reasons why women choose career over raising. It doesn't the society doesn't give much um support to even women that yeah. choose to keep their baby. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is a lot of work to be done in like uh yeah, a lot of work to be done anything related to birth <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. reproductive right but i Definitely. do have a question okay, okay.
0: and then we'll, yeah. it's been an hour so we'll go to okay, the
1: okay. Next one and i think that maybe that could be the last question after and the you. last one okay she, she has okay. a last yeah, question yeah. and oh, don't worry, don't worry. i know that at the beginning and i know you do not represent um, like this conversation it's all about your your, your opinion but there has Planned Parenthood been having some history, rumors around the founding of it. And again, you don't have to, you don't need to answer. But in America, we're seeing the trend that most of those abortion clinics tend to be in the minorities communities, Um, because the history was they were kind of trying to wipe up, like wipe out us, so yeah, eugenics. Yeah, <laughs> again, we don't have to talk too much about it. Uh, I just kind of like, kind of want to know your opinion, especially as a black woman. Although we live in Canada, but if let's say you would, you were born, you grew up in the United States, and then you would hear all that that hey, like, you know, like government has a whole agenda behind like wiping mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm black uh, the black community especially the last elect the last conversation that trump did the the lady says oh like victory for Uh the white race um that was very weird but again um we don't have to dive in too much into this but
2: no but i want to answer that question a little bit um now i'm going to talk about like definitely planned parenthood because i don't have the aspect of that but abortion clinics in general um i think it's a very similar situation as like you know in like Lower income communities, there's like always, there's never like a real good grocery store. It's always a bunch of like, um, you know, like cash check places where you can pawn your stuff, or you can get like quick cash, or like liquor stores. That those things that are put in the communities to like, not um, uplift them, but like to kind of keep them stagnant. I feel like that's what kind of like one of those things. I think that it's two-sided. One, I think they do are addressing an issue that was asked for, like, you know, like, where we do want to have access and availability of, like, services like this. Definitely think they should be there and they should be everywhere. Um, But I feel like... I get where, like, the tension, like, ooh, that doesn't seem too good, you know, like, because it is. It's, like, it's being put in place in, like, lower income and marginalized communities for a reason. Like, the government doesn't do stuff for fun. They know exactly what they're doing. And I think that, like it is it is a thing i think it's a very subtly subtly spoken thing um i don't know if you know too much about the history of eugenics in canada but eugenics in canada is very even though we want to act like it was so far ago it was just the other day eugenics is like still happening in some places so like it's a different form of it like it's just like a subtle form of saying here like control this it's not like they're putting up like sexual health clinics for you to go get free uh contraceptives and learn about these things or like get like um prenatal testing or anything like that it's not that it's like here's an abortion clinic if you would like to access it go ahead and i get like i'm happy that they are in there but i definitely do get the point of where it's like very off-putting and it's also like if you're gonna give me this resources mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where are the other exactly, resources? Yeah, I could be giving exactly. like don't just give me an abortion clinic and our school still has like old books that barely holding up or don't t- <laughs> like you know things like that That's it. or like there's not a good grocery store where you can get fresh produce around us or like you know like those kind of things i feel like yeah i don't like it. I-, I feel where it's a little off-putting definitely
1: thank you
0: okay your last okay. question yeah i think we can end <laughs> all this conversation a lot was said here and i think like I don't know, as a woman, it's 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 hard to have these conversations um, and yeah. to see that there's other women who have to go through these things and it just doesn't sit right with me at all, at yeah. all. And anyways, I would say things, but I don't know if I could say them on the mic. So let me just go to the next question. <laughs> um, okay, so finally, um, for women who might be having trouble with their own reproductive health, um, whether it be miscarriages, um, having trouble um, with their fertility like fertility issues. Um, what are some like empowering words that you leave with them in support of them on their journey, especially with everything going on? Like it might be very triggering for them, right to know that they can't have access to um, abortion services if they're having a miscarriage. So um yeah, what are you what are some thoughts for them?
2: Mm, my my words of encouragement um as a fellow black woman to my other not even fellow black woman, just my fellow woman and but specifically in targeting my black woman, um don't give up. Like honestly, don't give up and don't settle, like don't take no for an answer. And I'm specifically talking about in terms of like if you know something is not right. If you feel like something's not right with your body, if you feel like um, you want something to change, it doesn't matter. If it's from an abortion to like you think you have a cyst in your your ovaries, if you think there's something going on, don't take no for an answer. I feel like a lot of times doctors, the government, a lot of authority figures don't take us seriously, don't listen to us on our, when we're talking, and I feel like that's how a lot of things go undiscovered or, undiscovered or like just start to create problems. So if you, let's say, are having an issue with your reproductive health and you know it's an issue, when you go to the doctor and they tell you it's nothing, get a second opinion. Go somewhere else. If you have to, I mean, it's, it's a hassle, it's tiring, and I, I'm with you on that because I know this is how exhausting it can be and how disheartening, but, like, your health matters more than these people's opinion. Like, don't care about these people's opinions. Your health is always going to be more important. So, yeah, I think that, like, never settle. And- As hard, as easy as it is to say, but hard to do, do your research. Do your research on the things that can like benefit you. So if you need to access an abortion clinic, use the services around you. You can always call people like Planned Parenthood, ask them for the nearest abortion clinic, ask them for helps, ask them for options, whatever the case may be. If you don't feel comfortable with them, call the hospital. Don't feel comfortable with them. There are sexual health clinics all across Canada, like the one on Clarence Street in Ottawa, the sexual sexual health clinic. Go there if like there are so many places it's just not heard of but like there's always things to go and if you still feel discouraged like you can hit up people like me who, like literally my job <laughs> and you can ask me like to find out and help places where you can figure out things for yourself or ask questions or sometimes you just need to vent and say like these doctors don't listen to me I hate them all <laughs> and like I understand um but yeah yeah just don't give up like it's okay it's you're not alone for real like we're all going through it it's slow. And day by day.
0: Okay, sorry. I wanna add one more to that. Okay. So what about for <laughs> women who might be experiencing some shame around their reproductive health system? Oh. Yeah.
2: If you're feeling shame, there's nothing to be ashamed about, first of all. Like generally there really is nothing to be ashamed about because even if you think you're the only one, there are so many people going through the same thing. But also like there's no shame in being yourself. There's no shame in your experiences. There's no shame in being you. Like like shame is a feeling that we all have trouble with but it's all like natural to all of us and i i there's no shame in your in your experiences honestly especially around reproductive health if you've access an abortion or you need to access an abortion and you feel ashamed about that or telling people about that don't feel ashamed but if you don't have anybody to talk to about these things there are outlets there are like again people like planned parenthood where you can literally call and like talk to somebody online for hours there are Women's resource centers. There are just people on Instagram. Like literally, hit me up. Like just sit, sit in my DMs and just be like, "Girl, she's pretty. So pre- she's going pretty on. quick but at like,
0: answering, you know, guys." Like, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at answering my, my Instagram. talking from experience. <laughs> um, or even,
2: but also, especially around shame, I think it's really important to find somebody in your community. May it be a doctor, may it be your best friend, may it be your cousin, a stranger on the street, a counselor in a community center. It doesn't matter who it is talk to them like go and speak and talk about your problems because it's like especially if you've recently ex- like had an abortion or know somebody going through abortion it, it's very hard psychologically you may try to act like we're the toughest people in the world especially black women we are strong and independent but like we don't always have to be so i feel like really talk to somebody about it and yeah there's no shame in your experiences no one's gonna okay. judge you it's, it's natural thank
0: you jay thank you so thank much thank you yeah
2: you're welcome thank you <laughs> yes course. this is
0: great this is a great conversation um do you want to let people know where they can find you i know you have your own platform as well so you can oh yeah, yeah.
2: um so my personal instagram is oh my JD, o-h-m-y-j-a-d-i-e or you can follow me on my intersectional opinion on instagram um Or you can follow me on Spotify. I do podcasts sometimes about things I like. Um, But nothing nothing is profound as this. I'm very impressed and I love this conversation. But yeah, if you want to find me, DM me. Thank you. (laughs) Okay,
0: Okay, well, thank you for tuning into this episode. Um, We're very grateful to have been able to have Jade um, for this conversation. I think it was very enlightening. I think a lot of us um, who might identify as Black women might also kind of understand this topic a bit more, but for those who might not identify as black, I'm sure you might also. Yeah. Well, at least my hope is that you also understand and have some compassion for those who might um, be struggling with their reproductive health. Um, Yeah, so on that note.
1: Yeah, and also disclaimer, um, this conversation is not pro-life or (laughs) pro-choice debate um although it is our opinion but i hope that throughout the video you had a chance to learn um and yeah i really hope that you you guys had a active listening and and not like oh those girls are like pro choice i think the goal is really (laughs) to just
0: have people understand the multiple layers that come with yeah. Giving birth and it's really not just an easy. Hey, nine months and let me push out yeah. a child. Like, there's a lot of mental, economical, uh, physical mm-hmm. stresses. Yeah, that just come with birth yeah. in general, and it's f- yeah. Anyways, it let's That's not. It. I don't want to continue this conversation well, to do more. Thank so yeah. you
1: again. <laughs> yeah. um, you can follow us at me. It's at underscore consciously black. Um and again my name is Neralan and then my co-host.
0: Myriam, so you can also find me at the thoughtful therapist underscore.
1: Perfect. So you can like, share, so comment, subscribe, you know,
0: do whatever. it. All. Do do it all. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, thank you. Thank you. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Bye. Are we clapping? No, we're not. <laughs> you know we always clap. <laughs> we always uh, clap. All right. <laughs>